chapter one of pioneers of the old south this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org pioneers of the old south by mary johnston chapter one the three ships sail elizabeth of england died in sixteen hundred and three there came to the english throne james stuart king of scotland king now of england and scotland in sixteen hundred and four a treaty of peace ended the long war with spain gone was the sixteenth century here though in childhood was the seventeenth century now that the wars were over old colonization schemes were revived in the english mind of the motives which in the first instance had prompted these schemes some with the passing of time had become weaker some remained quite as strong as before most englishmen and women knew now that spain had clay feet and that rome though she might threaten could not always perform what she threatened to abase the pride of spain to make harbours of refuge for the angel of the reformation these wishes though they had not vanished though no man could know how long the peace with spain would last were less fervid than they had been in the days of drake but the old desire for trade remained as strong as ever it would be a great boon to have english markets in the new world as well as in the old to which merchants might send their wares and from which might be drawn in bulk the raw stuffs that were needed at home the idea of a surplus population persisted england of five million souls still thought that she was crowded and that it would be well to have a land of younger sons a land of promise for all not abundantly provided for at home it were surely well for mere pride's sake to have due lot and part in the great new world and wealth like that which spain had found was a dazzle and a lure why man all their dripping-pans are pure gold and all the chains with which they chain up their streets are massy gold all the prisoners they take are fettered in gold and for rubies and diamonds they go forth on holidays and gather em by the seashore so the comedy of eastward ho seen on the london stage in sixteen hundred and five eastward ho because yet they thought of america as on the road around to china in this year captain george weymouth sailed across the sea and spent a summer month in north virginia later new england weymouth had powerful backers and with him sailed old adventurers who had been with raleigh coming home to england with five indians in his company weymouth and his voyage gave to public interest the needed philip towards action here was the peace with spain and here was the new interest in virginia go to said mother england it is time to place our children in the world the old adventurers of the day of sir humphrey gilbert had acted as individuals 
soon was to come in the idea of cooperative action the idea of the joint stock company acting under the open permission of the crown attended by the interest and favour of numbers of the people and giving to private initiative and personal ambition a public tone some men of foresight would have had crown and country themselves the adventurers superseding any smaller bodies but for the moment the fortunes of virginia were furthered by a group within the great group by a joint stock company a corporation in sixteen hundred had come into being the east india company prototype of many companies to follow now six years later there arose under one royal charter two companies generally known as the london and the plymouth the first colony planted by the latter was short-lived its letters patent were for north virginia two ships the mary and john and the gift of god sailed with over a hundred settlers these men reaching the coast of what is now maine built a fort and a church on the banks of the kennebec then followed the usual miseries typical of colonial venture sickness starvation and a freezing winter with the return of summer the enterprise was abandoned the foundation of new england was delayed a while her pilgrims yet in england though meditating that first remove to holland her mayflower only a ship of london port staunch but with no fame above another the london company soon to become the virginia company therefore engages our attention the charter recites that sir thomas gates and sir george somers knights richard hacklett clerk prebendary of westminster edward maria wingfield and other knights gentlemen merchants and adventurers wish to make habitation plantation and to deduce a colony of sundry of our people into that part of america commonly called virginia it covenants with them and gives them for a heritage all america between the thirty-fourth and the forty-first parallels of latitude the thirty-fourth parallel passes through the middle of what is now south carolina the forty-first grazes new york crosses the northern tip of new jersey divides pennsylvania and so westward across to that pacific or south sea that the age thought so near to the atlantic all england might have been placed many times over in what was given to those knights gentlemen merchants and others the king's charter created a great council of virginia sitting in london governing from overhead in the new land itself there should exist a second and lesser council the two councils had authority within the range of virginian matters but the crown retained the power of veto the council in virginia might coin money for trade with the indians expel invaders import settlers punish evil ill-doers levy and collect taxes should have in short dignity and power enough for any colony likewise acting for the whole it might give and take orders to dig mine and search for all manner of mines of gold silver and copper to have and enjoy 
yielding to us our heirs and successors the fifth part only of all the same gold and silver and the fifteenth part of all the same copper now are we ready it being christmas tide of the year sixteen hundred and six to go to virginia riding on the thames before blackwall are three ships small enough in all conscience sake the susan constant the good speed and the discovery the admiral of this fleet is christopher newport an old seaman of raleigh's bartholomew gosnold captains the good speed and john ratcliffe the discovery the three ships have aboard their crews and one hundred and twenty colonists all men the council in virginia is on board but it does not yet know itself as such for the names of its members have been deposited by the superior home council in a sealed box to be opened only on virginia soil the colonists have their paper of instructions they shall find out a safe port in the entrance of a navigable river they shall be prepared against surprise and attack they shall observe whether the river on which you plant doth spring out of mountains or out of lakes if it be out of any lake the passage to the other sea will be the more easy and like enough you shall find some spring which runs the contrary way toward the east india sea they must avoid giving offence to the naturals must choose a healthful place for their houses must guard their shipping they are to set down in black and white for the information of the council at home all such matters as directions and distances the nature of soils and forests and the various commodities that they may find and no man is to return from virginia without leave from the council and none is to write home any discouraging letter the instructions end lastly and chiefly the way to prosper and to achieve good success is to make yourselves all of one mind for the good of your country and your own and to serve and fear god the giver of all goodness for every plantation which our heavenly father hath not planted shall be rooted out nor did they lack verses to go by as their enterprise itself did not lack poetry michael drayton wrote for them britons you stay too long quickly aboard bestow you and with the merry gale swell your stretched sail with vows as strong as the winds that blow you your course securely steer west and by south forth keep rocks lee shores no shoals where elis scowls you need not fear so absolute the deep and cheerfully at sea success you still entice to get the pearl and gold and ours to hold virginia earth's only paradise and in regions far such heroes bring ye forth as those from whom we came and plant our name under that star not known unto our north see the parting upon thames's side englishmen going english kindred friends and neighbours calling farewell waving hat and scarf standing bareheaded in the grey winter weather to virginia 
they are going to virginia the sails are made upon the susan constant the good speed and the discovery the last weary carries aboard the last adventurer the anchors are weighed down the river the wind bears the ships toward the sea weather turning against them they taste long delay in the downs but at last are forth upon the atlantic hourly the distance grows between london town and the outgoing folk between english shores and where the surf breaks on the pale virginian beaches far away far away and long ago yet the unseen actual cables hold and yesterday and to-day stand embraced the lips of the thames meet the lips of the james and the breath of england mingles with the breath of america End of chapter one